it was definitely the 23rd or so where we realized this is not just a winter storm reaction and recovery. This is something very different. In December 2022, the news was inescapable. Southwest Airlines was grappling with widespread flight cancellations, leaving both customers and employees stranded across the nation during the holiday season. However, when technology, preventative measures, and strategic planning faltered, the airline ultimately relied on its most critical asset, its people. Still, you saw those moments of person-to-person care and outreach that really do illuminate, you know, what it means to be a Southwest Airlines warrior. And that is that we're in this together, we're going to take care of each other, and we're going to figure out how to get out of this. The situation appeared dire, yet their workforce displayed exceptional resilience, persevering through the challenges. But this wasn't just luck. It was the culmination of decades of commitment to nurturing and sustaining a strong and inclusive company culture. In this episode, Linda Rutherford, Chief Administration Officer of Southwest Airlines, joins me to tell the story of the storm behind the scenes. We'll hear how the culture got them through and we'll uncover insights into how all organizations can cultivate a culture of resilience like Southwest Airlines. Welcome to Future Nonprofit, a podcast about what it will take to build and scale the nonprofit of tomorrow. I'm your host, Ted Vaughn, partner at Historic and author of Culture Built My Brand. Join me as we unpack the stories and lessons of today's most innovative leaders. We'll start by learning a bit more about Linda. Linda first felt her calling for communication as a kid in the 80s. When I was a kid, I was uh, wrapped up in a TV show called Lou Grant. Hello, I'm calling from the trip. I'd like to get from a call. Getting around around in two hours. I'm looking at my deadline. How much money was involved? Was it over a thousand? And I just thought that being a newspaper reporter was the coolest job on the planet. And being a go-getter from the start, she sought to follow through. I decided that that's what I was going to go to college and do, was get a degree in journalism. I worked for the university newspaper where I went to school at Texas Tech University. That was going to be my path. I was going to be that 40-year career newspaper journalist with kind of the, you know, the patches on the sleeves and somebody who bursts on the scene and asks all the great questions and tells really great stories. And that was the plan from, I gosh, I think I was 11 or 12 when I started watching that show. But shortly after graduation, the realities of the industry confronted Linda, and she had an important decision to make. I mean, it was only three years after graduation that the major metropolitan newspaper that I was working for, the Dallas Times-Herald, went out of business. You know, I was scared, honestly, to move away from family and friends, to move to a different town and take a job at a newspaper when I was concerned the same thing would happen. Instead of abandoning her passion, Linda found an alternative way to channel it, ultimately leading to the exploration of newfound interests. I didn't have the grand plan to be the chief administration and communications officer, you know, at a Fortune 500 company. But I think through the years, there are things that I love to do that I didn't know that I loved to do and that I've learned while I've been here at Southwest Airlines and, you know, had to learn how to do and then found out that I loved doing it. Linda's resilience on perseverance and adaptability has been pivotal in her career, particularly during crisis, as we'll discuss shortly. However, these abilities were not innate. Rather, they were instilled in her from a young age. 
When I was very young, my parents divorced. So from the time I was nine, my mother was a single mother. She was a stay-at-home mom, so she had to go get a job. And I'll never forget, you know, she was very proud of the first job she ever got, which was as a receptionist at a company that made acoustic ceiling tiles. And she made $4.68 an hour you know, and then used that income to, to provide for my sister and I. But my mother made sure that for all those difficulties that, you know, we still got to participate in school activities and go on the field trips where you had to send money in the envelope, you know, that we didn't miss out on those those normal moments of, of being a kid, even though our circumstances may have been, you know, a little different from, from others. From that, I think, was instilled in me a sense of perseverance. That upbringing with that perseverance, with that work ethic, really made me feel at home at Southwest because it was an organization where it was willing to roll up its sleeves, work hard. There was no elitism. There is you know, no sense of one person in the unit is any more important than the other person. And so there's a real sense of teamwork, too, that together you know, we succeed. It's been pretty special. I'll, I'll celebrate 31 years. Today, Linda is the Chief Administration Officer for Southwest Airlines, which means she has a big plate and does a lot. I work with the leaders who oversee functions, including culture and communications. So that is all of our internal communications, public relations, social media, corporate philanthropy, community partnerships. It is our culture and engagement area, so employee insights the employee experience, awards, and recognition. I work with our technology group. I work with our internal audit group. I work with diversity, equity, and inclusion, that team, and then all of our people department, what we call HR functions. So it's HR operations, talent acquisition, uh, leadership development, our Southwest Airlines University, and then our total rewards team. So all things sort of HR and, and people oriented. We're going to keep our focus on that people-oriented description. This focus on people has been and remains fundamental to Southwest's success as a company. Since its inception in 1971, they've constructed the organization on a culture that values listening, respect, and creating an environment where employees can genuinely be themselves and meaningfully contribute. The command and control aspect is what creates kind of a paternalistic culture in an organization. And so it's, you know, mom and dad say this and then the children go do. Southwest Airlines has always been built on more of a collegial environment. And so more of a partnership culture, definitely built on teamwork. We're all in this together. I think the organization is built for moments like this. We're very good in a crisis because we can sort of shed anything around ego or priority or visibility and actually focus on the project or the issue at hand. From a personality standpoint, we've been irreverent. We encourage our employees to bring their authentic selves to work. And as I have watched leaders in the last 30 years, there's an appreciation for vulnerability because we are in this together. And I might not know the answer, but together we'll figure it out. And that has been refreshing, I think, to our employees and to our other stakeholders who, you know, have given us the benefit of the doubt because they know that we're going to work really hard to do the right thing. Southwest has taken immense pride in fostering this culture for decades. However, this past winter, its resilience was put to the test in an unprecedented way. 
Thank you. This morning, the chaos surrounding Southwest Airlines cancellations continues. Now the airline is struggling to recover. Making up nearly 90% of today's cancellations, Southwest nixing another 2,500 flights. That's on top of the more than 11,000 already canceled in the last week. Already this morning, the airline has canceled more than half of today's flights. This is federal regulators are stepping in to investigate. So winter storm Elliot was kind of sweeping across the United States. December 20th, 21st, 22nd, we had done our typical winter storm preparation, which is to make sure we have added staffing in the airports where we're going to have to do de-icing. We pre-canceled, quite frankly, some flights because we knew that our throughput during winter operations would be less than a normal, you know, sunny day. All that had been done. But then on the 23rd, and the 24th, as we try to reset the airline, it, it wasn't recovering from a winter storm as we typically would. We have winter storms and we're used to maneuvering through what winter storms can bring. The things that we learned here were exceptional. The strong wind gusts, the extreme low temperatures, the fact that we actually had aircraft equipment that was freezing. We had hydraulic fluid that was freezing. We realized that based on our inability to move aircraft quickly, we ended up with a lot of airplanes in places where we couldn't apply engine covers overnight to help protect protect the engine fan blades, and they were freezing. It was definitely the 23rd or so where we realized this is not just a winter storm reaction and recovery. This is something very different. The technical issues stemming from the storm quickly morphed into personnel issues. What we realized was the severity of the storm had so impacted our ability to move fresh flight crews out into the Southwest Airlines network that there were rolling issues where we had to then do last minute cancellations because a plane would be ready to go, but the crew couldn't get out of Denver, couldn't get out of Chicago where it needed to be in Phoenix or in Nashville. So Southwest had to strip everything back and return to their foundational principles. They leaned on what has always been their bedrock, their culture. It all began with an empathetic understanding of their employees' circumstances. Obviously, what was devastating to our employees was this turned into a crisis of confidence and a crisis of credibility for an airline that has been built on reliability. You know, you can set your watch by a Southwest Airlines flight. You know you're going to get home for your kid's soccer game at 6 o'clock kind of dependability. And that didn't happen. And so that was personally soul-crushing for every Southwest Airlines employee who puts a lot of pride in, in what he or she does every day. At this point, we've talked a lot about culture, and shortly we'll get into how the airline's investment in their company culture helped them weather this storm, pun intended. But I want to take a moment here to talk about how one goes about actually building culture into an organization. Luckily for all of us, I've co-written a book about this, and fittingly, Linda wrote the foreword in it. The book's called Culture Built My Brand, and I wrote it alongside my historic co-founder, Mark Miller. So Mark's going to pop on, and we're going to talk about some of the biggest takeaways from our book. So culture is a super hot topic, and in my coaching and consulting, I find that it's a really blurry and inconsistently understood topic. What for you is kind of the shorthand or the understanding of culture that you bring into your work at Historic? Yeah, so I always define uh, with our clients that culture is the unspoken rules that everyone operates by. And it has a huge impact. And so sometimes we build that culture in, intentionally and shape it. And sometimes it just happens. 
what I find in my consulting is that when organizations are in a, a season of health, they tend to avoid proactively investing in culture. It's really when things go wrong, when crisis hits, you know, in the story with Linda, that's when culture shows up and matters most. Yeah, I think the big thing is during crisis, you actually see the real culture of the organization. So what values aren't really values until they're tested, right? It's easy to say, hey, we put people first until you're put in a situation where do we put people first or do we put profits first? And you have to make a decision and your real value is going to decide what you choose. And so you want to make sure that you are really clear on what your values are and, and take the opportunity to execute on those. The other thing that I think happens during these times of, of crisis is people rise to the occasion based on the principles and values. And so depending on how well you've curated your culture, people will rise to the occasion in a way that is defined by those principles that you've created and the, the values that you believe in. And I think with Southwest Airlines, while imperfect because of the situation, there's just lots and lots of stories of people rising to the occasion when they didn't have to or shouldn't have had to, but they did because of the principles and the values that Southwest Airlines stands for. Something that actually emerges too is a great opportunity for innovation. You're forced to put your head down, get grinding, but things will look different and your values, and your principles will help shape the way you look at those things and new ideas will emerge from the crisis that you may have not thought about. It's interesting how that culture of crisis can become a normative part of the nonprofit leader's experience, which is why, ironically, I find nonprofits are often the worst offenders in taking culture seriously. I think there's an assumption that, well, because we care, because we're showing up every day and bleeding for a cause, our culture must be healthy. The irony is that those reasons make your culture even more fragile, even more in need of proactive attention and investment. In light of that, Mark, people are listening that are maybe hopefully at a point where they're saying, man, I want to change my culture. Where do I get started? What do I do? How do I help move the needle in a positive way for my culture? When we talk about these as part of what we call marquee culture in our book, the three that I think would be really helpful for nonprofits to focus on is one, defining your principles. So what are those behaviors that you're expecting people to live out during their work time and holding people accountable to that, hiring to that, doing reviews and promotions around that. So principles are really important because they're going to help your team know how to make decisions. And those decisions ultimately ref will reflect your culture, but all the outcomes your organization needs to strive for. The second thing is something that we call rituals. You look for opportunities for people who are living out your culture in a really amazing way. And you create space for that so that it becomes something that people do on a regular cadence. For us at Historic, we have something called Music Club, which allows us to kind of get to know our staff through their favorite albums. And then finally, something that most nonprofits are familiar with is telling stories. And we call this lore. Every organization has lore, good or bad. And so really thinking about how to craft lore that is aspirational and is based in rooted in actual things that have happened that have been really culture shaping that you, in the direction that you want to go and telling those stories over and over and over again so that people remember them. Because when crisis happens, right, they're going to want to grab onto a story 
that tells them how your organization made it through or how it might be possible your organization will make it through because of this thing they know so deeply. Another vital aspect of a resilient culture is prioritizing inclusivity and ensuring that everyone feels welcome and accepted while also promoting diversity of thought. This is something Southwest has done exceptionally well. Our diversity, equity, and inclusion strategy is very much culturally who we are. And that is that Southwest Airlines has always wanted to create a sense of belonging. So a sense of belonging for our customers in that we welcome people from all walks of life on board our airplanes. A sense of belonging in terms of employees where they can see themselves in the workforce. They can see opportunities to learn and grow inside the organization. And that they know that they are welcomed, cared for, and appreciated for who they are and, and the background that they come from and the contributions that they'll make to the organization. You know, we strive to make sure that we represent and we look like the communities that we serve. We want to, at every level, be an organization that appreciates diverse thought, diverse backgrounds, diverse experience. We want to be a work environment that has that sense of belonging. Gallup says that model, achievement, camaraderie, and equity is what make people sticky to an organization where they want to continue to come to work and they get excited about being with others. I have a best friend at work. It, that sense of belonging is very much culturally who we are. And so being intentional about making sure that that environment is inclusive and where people feel that sense of belonging only makes sense for us to continue to perpetuate the culture. It was that case when we had 10,000 people. It was that case when we have 50,000 people. And we're certainly looking at it in terms of what does it look like when we get to 100,000 employees. The result of this focus is a strong and connected team. In times of crisis, a good team works together, which is exactly what happened. One thing that I watched was leaders who refused to go home. Certainly it was the holidays. Probably very few of the executives were scheduled to be working, but there was no sense of I've put in my eight or 10 hours and, and now I'm going to go home. It was round the clock engagement to understand what was going on, to try and get people where they needed to be, obviously to triage and quite frankly, to make other people go home. Like you need to go get some rest, go get some sleep. Seriously, just, just please go home and then you can come back and help. But leaders who just never left their post. I didn't expect anything different, but actually seeing it and knowing that much like the disruption we caused where we couldn't get people home for the holidays, none of these people got to spend time with friends and family you know, who had flown in for the holidays. And so they sacrificed as well. That commitment to helping each other went well beyond just the leadership team. We had one employee who had gone to New Orleans. He was getting a, a ton of Café du Monde beignets to have a party. And when he realized what was happening, he basically took everything that he bought for his party and took it up to the airport so that our employees and our customers, you know, would have something to eat to snack on. It was other stories like that where, you know, there were massive food deliveries that were happening because employees were working long hours overtime trying to, you know, get our customers where they needed to go. Still, you saw those moments of person-to-person -person care and outreach that really do illuminate, you know, what it means to be a Southwest Airlines warrior. And that is that we're in this together. We're going to take care of each other and we're going to figure out how to get out of this. Relying on your workforce can quickly become something leadership takes for granted. But continually relying on employees without implementing changes can erode their trust in the organization. 
Much like in personal relationships, if you have that friend who forgets their wallet, well, covering for them isn't a big deal. But if they forget their wallet every single time and never change their behavior, well, that reflects a lack of respect for you, and you're unlikely to continue covering for them. Your relationship with your employees is just like that. It's a two-way street. As leaders, we have to demonstrate respect and a willingness to learn and improve for their benefit. And once the crisis cleared, that's exactly what Southwest did. There was a deep analysis that was done internally to understand the things that went wrong or could have been done better. There was a transparency in that we brought an outside agency, an outside consulting firm, in to do their assessment so that we could sort of compare notes and find out, you know, were there gaps in our understanding of what went wrong and things that we could do differently. And then just a radical overt commitment to share what we learned in that analysis. We published a microsite at the end of March that explained uh, what we had learned and what we were going to do differently in terms of ordering more equipment, having greater de-icing capacity, adding some additional staffing in some of our largest airport operations, improving our checklists and playbooks so that we're sure that cross-departmental coordination is the best that it can be. But a team isn't a single thing because a team is really a unified collection of individuals, which means that any team learning is only one layer of understanding and growth. Individual reflection and accountability also play significant roles, both of which Linda personally embraced. My nature is not to be very patient. And so what I learned was, you know, you have to allow some solutions to work their magic. And you also have to avoid the temptation to do something too soon if you're not sure. And so I think the team, you know, worked together very, very well to make sure that we had and shared good information, that we were upfront about, you know, what we knew when we knew it. And then just the patience to work through the storyline, the narrative, right? Because we knew with all of the pictures uh, that were being shared on social media, this was certainly a well-covered topic, you know, with local and national media outlets. It was just going to take some patience to kind of work our way through the storyline so that we could show the public what we're made of and, and how we were going to make it right and learn from it. Culture provided Southwest with a solid foundation when they needed it most. When everything was going wrong, they were able to rely on employees at every level to step up and collectively bring each other through to the other side. These moments underscore the vital importance of building that foundation, but unfortunately, so many organizations don't realize this until it's too late. However, it's crucial to bear in mind that culture is never static. It evolves and requires ongoing maintenance. It's a continuous learning process. The culture that once felt innovative and refreshing a decade ago may no longer align with the expectations of today's climate. Southwest addresses this by drawing inspiration from the way they conduct consumer research. A lot of organizations that are B2C have gone and mapped the customer experience. In other words, they've gone and talked to their customers and said, talk to us about your journey from, I think I want to go somewhere, travel inspiration, all the way to my trip is over and here's how it went. What we did is we went and mapped the employee experience the same way. 
we took it from, I think I might want to work at Southwest Airlines to I'm ready to retire. And we mapped every moment that mattered to an employee, the application process, the interview process, the training, the career development, the retirement readiness, all of that. And then we said, okay, how do we do in each of those areas? And again, we found areas of strength. That is the process for how we have been trying to address change because travelers' habits have changed pre-COVID, post-COVID. The employee workforce has changed as you have brought new generations into the workforce. They want different things. I always say to folks when I'm talking internally, the 18-year-old ramp agent needs something different from Southwest Airlines than the 80-year-old mechanic. And we have both. And so it's understanding, meeting people where they are, understanding what their experience is like, and then identifying those pain points where we can dig in and do a better job. Let's talk about innovation in general, because evolving culture to meet and exceed the standards of the day is in and of itself being innovative. That means if you have a well-defined strategy and the ability to commit your team to research and to listening to that research, you already have the core skills needed to be innovative in other areas of the organization, whether that be technology or marketing, etc. Of those skills, I want to emphasize the importance of listening for a moment. When it comes to innovation, there's a temptation to put the cart before the horse by embracing new trends solely because they're novel and attractive. Yet, much like Southwest listens to its employees to shape a culture they desire, they also heed the voices of consumers and research when making critical decisions about change. That's why assigned seating is likely not coming to Southwest anytime soon. We're lucky because there's been, you know, a number of things that that we have tried and, and opted not to pursue. The innovation lab is certainly an opportunity, you know, that we have tried some things. We'll we'll actually go out to uh, stations. We've been to St. Louis. We're in Atlanta right now. We've done things in Dallas, you know, that we've tried and and said, well, that was that was interesting, but that might not be, you know, realistic. Or it's a great idea, but maybe it won't scale to the size that we are. And so there is a permission culture culturally to try and not succeed because, you know, those things that we cross off the list, for example, assigned seating, you know, at least as of right now, we've, we've tested and tried it several different times in my 30 years here. And each time we conclude that the idea of open seating, the process of open seating, the operationalization of open seating continues to work for our brand. Now, there could come a time when that's not the case, but that's an example where I've seen it studied three or four different times, like let's go assign seats. And then we walk away shaking our head and saying, nope, not yet, not right now. And it's okay. That doesn't have to happen. So we don't feel like we have to go into experimentation with a, you know, we must arrive, you know, at a good outcome. This storm was an intense experience for Southwest, but their people got them through it. And that's because Southwest is built on the foundation of a proactive and healthy culture. For Linda, this has been a lesson in the importance of humanizing and empathizing with all stakeholders. That means employees, customers, donors, etc. This is the message she aims to impart to nonprofits. You know, nonprofits are trying to find their niche and their space, right, among stakeholders because, you know, if I have $5 to give, you know, there's a lot of competition for that $5. And so trying to figure out how you're going to get the share of wallet, the share of heart is something that, you know, all organizations 
nonprofit and for-profit are trying to do. I think as you think through your strategy and your brand and what you represent, it's remembering the humanistic and the emotional connections that you can have with the stakeholders. You know, obviously my bias is in communication that can certainly be in your brand or your organization's storytelling. That could be in how you bring your mission moments to life. Every organization has a mission-driven purpose. How does that come to life in your brand collateral, in the people who you choose to work at your organization? How do they live and breathe the purpose of the organization and therefore the brand and what you stand for? And so those are important elements. That's not just the tissue paper. Those are important core elements to the organization. And they just, you know, you can't forget that, you know, especially in a place of leadership because it's toned from the top. Let's wrap things up by reviewing the key things we can learn from Linda in her experience at Southwest. First, the same creative strategies that help nonprofits meaningfully connect with their donors can also help those nonprofits learn from, listen to, and more meaningfully engage their employees. The nonprofit leaders we find succeeding in today's world make proactive investments in employee listening, inclusivity, and engagement. Second, don't take those employees for granted. In this situation, Southwest leaned on a dedicated team during challenging times, but such reliance requires reciprocal effort. Remember, it's a two-way street. Recognizing and respecting your employees involves learning from setbacks and actively striving to enhance areas of their experience that need improvement. Lastly, cultivating a robust cultural foundation is an ongoing job and requires regular maintenance and adaptation to accommodate evolving expectations. Culture is like the soil of your organization, and everything you do and produce is planted in and grows out of the cultural soil. And good soil requires regular care and feeding. Today's new generation of workers have different expectations than the previous, and this will always be the case, and that's a good thing, so embrace it. Continual learning and improvement are essential to remaining relevant and maintaining a competitive cultural edge. I'm Ted Vaughn, and this is Future Nonprofit. If you want to hear more stories from experts in the industry to learn how to take your nonprofit into the future, subscribe to the podcast and visit makehistoric.com. Future Nonprofit is a production of Lower Street and Historic Agency. Produced by Jackie Lamport, Mark Miller, Ben Crannell, James Bladel, and Ted Vaughn. Written by Jackie Lamport and Katie Whitehorn. Edited by Ben Crannell. Visit futurenonprofit.com for a transcript of this episode.